0: Nicknamed the Witch of Wall Street and listed in the Guinness Book of World Records as the greatest miser, Hetty Green rings the bell for the cheapest cheapskate of all. She is also on record as the richest woman in America during the Gilded Age, and as a self made financier, Hetty rivaled her male counterparts. The cheapness of this woman was legendary. She didn't turn on the heat or use hot water, wore just one black dress and the same undergarments until they wore out, ate mostly cheap pies, and conducted most of her business in a bank surrounded by suitcases full of her paperwork to avoid paying rent for her own office. Hetty's miserly ways even extended to her family as her son had to have his leg amputated because she took too long trying to find a free clinic to treat him. At 81, Hetty Green succumbed to a stroke after arguing with a maid over the virtues of skimmed milk. During her lifetime, the great wealth of the greatest miser benefited no one, not even herself. What a legacy. Like the ant, Hetty Green was a very hard-working and incredibly productive individual. But unlike that woman, ants don't hoard their wealth, but use it constantly to care for the colony in which they live. It's no wonder, then, that this tiny insect is extolled in Proverbs chapter 6 and presented as an example to emulate. The reader is called to consider her ways and be wise. Without having any chief, officer, or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. Sounds like the perfect church to me, where all are equal, all work together and all proceeds benefit all members of the community. In Luke chapter 12, we meet a rich fool who behaves a lot like Hetty, but not at all like the ant. The impetus for this parable is significant, as Jesus has been approached by a man with a demand. Teacher. He asks, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus answers with a question, man, who appointed me a judge or divider over you? He then turns to the crowd of listeners, including us right now, to say, beware and be on your guard against every form of greed, for not even when one has an abundance Does his life consist of his possessions? What is happening here happens all too often when a last will and testament is read and someone feels slighted. Perhaps it has happened to you. Although specifics are not given in Luke, a possible scenario is that an inheritance has been entrusted to an elder brother, which was customary in Judaism. If that is the case... Then a younger brother who feels slighted asks Jesus to intervene on his behalf. My question, and maybe yours also, is why does he go to a carpenter from Nazareth for assistance in a matter like this? Maybe it's because he heard that Jesus helps those in need. That's true. But is this man really in need? He certainly thinks so. But Jesus doesn't think so. You see, the real issue here is greed. It is worth noting that the demand of Jesus to divide the inheritance between these brothers implies that their relationship is already divided. Jesus will not arbitrate in disputes like this because he has not come to divide, but to reconcile sinners, both to God. And one another. After responding to the request of the man from the crowd, let's take a closer look at what Jesus says to the crowd at large, because it's what the parable that follows is all about. What Jesus told them then is what he's telling us now, which is to be watchful and vigilant against all forms of greed. This comes in the form of a double command that sounds like this. Beware of greed and guard against greed. Did he have their attention then? We don't know. Does he have your attention now? Only you know. Jesus follows by giving the reason why we should beware and on guard. It's because real and truly meaningful life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. The Greek word for abundance means to have in excess or well beyond one's need. So this isn't about having possessions per se. It's about having too many. Do you have too many? The reality is that a greater abundance of goods does not lead a more abundant life. Looking at the crowd that has just witnessed the brief exchange between a man and Jesus about an inheritance, the Lord presents a parable that opens with these words. The land of a certain rich man produced abundantly. Notice that the man in the story is already rich, so meeting his basic needs are of no concern to him. Perhaps meeting the needs of others are of no concern to him either, as may be implied as the parable unfolds. The fact that this rich farmer has a bumper crop is not to be criticized, but his response to this great blessing may be an issue. Let's see. He starts by thinking long and hard about what has happened, which is a good thing to do. But listen carefully To the question he asks himself What shall I do? For I have no place to store my crops. Do you see anything missing from a question like that? We hear no thanks to God for an amazing harvest, nor does he say something like, I'm already a wealthy man and certainly don't need all of this excess, so this looks like a great opportunity to help those in need. No, what we do here is a reference to the abundant harvest as my crops. Evidently his only interest is himself. By the way, there's no indication that this farmer is conferring with family members, friends, or neighbors about what to do. This is unusual because in the Middle East, everything happens in the context of community. Sadly, For this man, it's about me, myself, and I. Notice how often I and my appear in what follows after the farmer ponders what to do about his bumper crop. He says, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones, and there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. Does that sound like the good life to you? The presumed good life of goods in abundance with no one to share them with? That sounds pretty bleak to me. Then, Just as the rich man with this huge bumper crop filling brand new storehouses is about to kick back and relax, he hears the voice of God say, You fool! This night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? It's a question that goes unanswered in the text, but one that we all must reckon with in life because we're all just a breath away from death. The phrase, your soul will be required of you implies that this man's life was no more his own than the abundance of goods he had stored away for the future. Suddenly, the future has become the present for him. So it will be for each of us one day. The reality is that we have all this stuff, but really all that we have and all that we are comes from God and returns to God, at which time we will all be accountable to God. Jesus concludes with what could be called the moral of the story by saying, So is the one who lays up treasure for himself, and is not rich toward God. This statement begs the question we must all ask ourselves, which is, how can I best honor God with what belongs to him? As I reflect on this parable, it appears to me that the rich farmer is very much like the rich miser, Hattie Green in that both are presented as entirely self-centered individuals with no apparent connections to their communities. They keep all they have for themselves, not sharing anything with anyone. Conversely, the hard-working ant keeps nothing for itself, but shares everything in the context of community. Is it any wonder, then, that the ant is commended in Scripture and the miser is condemned. With this parable and the examples of Hattie Green and the Ant in View, let's ask the Lord how he would have us respond. Jesus said, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That's the answer. Here are three questions for your consideration. First, what do you have in storage, that you need to either sell or give away? Second, what tangible treasures in your life have too much of a hold on your life? And third, in what ways would you like to become more generous with your money?